0: to the Taming Hinges podcast, conversations about self-awareness and mental health. We talk about anything and everything on the podcast, real experiences, real life. Come get triggered. Welcome to another episode of the Taming Hindrances podcast. As always, my name's Phil. I'm the host and creator of the podcast. And if you've been coming along the journey that is this podcast from talking about the beginning understandings of self-awareness and mental health, we've now moving on to a point where I have come to the conclusion in my life that I need to work on what most people refer to as spirituality. And... It's a tough subject, to be completely honest. Um, There's a lot to it, and it's important to note before I get into today's topic that not only am I personally seeking out my own understanding of these things, but I find it's a necessary part of growing up, if you will, a necessary part of really defining our health structure, specifically how our self-awareness works with our mental health, how our mental health affects our daily lives, and our understanding thereof. And I won't say there's some amazing peace or calm or good feeling that comes along with all of this, but there is a, an inherent interest, I believe, um, almost built genetically into humanity that we seek out and we look for this understanding of of spirituality or other or something beyond our physical form. And I don't mean that to say that, you know, there is a specific answer to this because I don't think there is. But I'm almost trying to give a perspective of what I'm going on about as far as, how my journey or or my adventure of figuring out what this whole spiritual thing is, because it's part of who we are. I've discussed many times about how we have the physical body. We have the mental body or or the mind. And then we have this other, this spiritual, this other, this ether, this bioelectric, this, you know, whatever turns out to be in the end, we have this other piece and all of antiquity has always talked about it. There's not a point in history where humans haven't contemplated this. So it must be an important factor. When I look at belief structures, when I look at what we've done in the past, when I look at what the right answer might be, when I use what's known as Greek retro logic or, or, or deductive logic reasoning, I start with the infinite possibility. There is an infinite possibility of things that could be possible, well, could be the answer or be unanswer, or there's just an infinite amount of information and you can whittle that down by eliminating all the non-plausible. This is part of, you know, Greek retro logic is to, you just, you start with the infinite, everything's possible. You have to come at it from that mentality. If you're not coming at it from that mentality, your answer is going to be skewed. That's what biased is to be biased about something is to come at something from the perspective where you believe that there is only a finite amount of information. And that's a, that's a biased opinion. So you're already starting in the wrong direction in my personal opinion. So I come at things from a, a a specific viewpoint of everything's possible. And then let's, okay, let's whittle down what's, you know, plausible. And plausibility gives us a, a good way of sifting through things. So we end up with the plausible and the plausible is then, you know, refined and refined. You just continue to do this until you're left with the 90 percentile of possibility of, okay, like if I add all of these extra structures in, what am I left with? And that gives you a good group of things to work from. So as I go through this, I've looked back at everything I've ever learned when it comes to metaphysics, philosophy, even just, you know, my martial arts training, my martialism experiences, my, my effort to be a martialist and to continue to, look at things from the perspective of a simulation of the mind. That's what warfare starts as. And all of it has left me with this triality. There are three pieces. There's the physical form in which you live in. There's the mental body, the mental mind, the the consciousness part of things. And then there's this other thing we don't quite understand. Yet we do feel it. We do have interaction with it. So we have to, in some ways, define it. And a lot of systems have, you know, in my Qigong practice or anyone who has practiced Qigong or traditional Chinese medicine, you'll know there's this thing known as Shen. Shen means spirit. It might not be the most perfect definition or translation, but Shen is spirit. That's spiritual. That's the other. Then you have Qi. Qi is the realm of the mind. And then you have Jing. Jing is the expression of Qi. But Qi is the expression of Shen. So you have Shen, Qi, Jing, and it goes the other way. Jing, Qi, Shen. In most Chinese martial arts, eventually you get into the philosophical understanding because um, they all cross over in some way to the, the healing aspect of it, which is you might come across, um, if not, I'm, I'll, maybe I'll introduce you to it, is this idea of what's known as heaven, human, and earth. And it's a representation of Shen, Qi, and Jing, but it can be applied to all sorts of different things. You might have heaven range. That's, you know, the upper or in range factors, you have up and down forward and back side to side, three dimensional objects, right? So heaven range might be someone who's outside your kicking range. That that's heaven range. You're outside of any striking range. And then you have human range and then you would have earth range. That's grappling. Grappling is in the earth range set. Um, you might have heaven human and earth based on how you're interacting with something you know are you interacting with the heaven aspects you might say or the human aspects or the earth aspects of things it's it's a different way of looking at how things interact but it all starts with this idea of shen chi and jing and this is true throughout multiple aspects, you know, people talk about the spiritual body or the astral body and they talk about the mental body and they talk about the physical body in in antiquity. When we talk about, you know, someone like Paracelsus or talking about ancient healing techniques that went far beyond just healing the physical form. You know, there was always a mental aspect. There was always an other, a bioelectric or an astral or, or something along these lines. So in that realm of things. Last episode, I talked about chaos. And it's my understanding that chaos is the beginning of everything. Chaos is the infinite possibility. And from the infinite possibility, things can progress. And that progression is known as creation. So today's topic is creation. And we'll start with Merriam-Webster's dictionary, as I often do. Merriam-Webster's dictionary: the definition for creation is, no no surprise here, the act of creating, right? Well, I like the second um, the second definition here, which is the act of making, inventing, or producing. Again, the, the act of making, inventing, or producing, and that I think gives us a viewpoint for the next piece here. So if the first definition here is the act of creating, well, what's creating? I mean, that's kind of self-explanatory, but from a spiritual perspective, if we look at the act of making, inventing, or producing, that gives us the realm of what we commonly refer to as deities, that there is this, this, this vastly powerful idea being, I don't care what you call it, but we know them as deities. And we have a history of deities. We have the Greek pantheon. We have the Roman pantheon. We have the Norse pantheon. We have the uh, Hindu pantheon, the, the Ayurvedic pantheon. We have the Chinese pantheon. There's a ton of gods there. There's the uh, Japanese. It's not a pantheon, but there's the Japanese list of gods. There's a god for many, many, many things. And they take it even farther with the how gods and spirits interact. So we have this whole world that we've created, see what I'm doing here, we've created this understanding of this world of other, of spiritual, of gods and spirits and beings and things. You you can include ghosts in there, but it all references back to this idea of what created these things. Where did they come from? How did they get here? What are they from? Well, my personal opinion, they're from chaos. And from chaos, you have creators and we've called those creators deities. We have many, many, many deities commonly referred to as gods. And the definition for deity is the rank or essential nature of a god. That that is divinity by by definition here. Or, you know, it's just a god. Deity is a god. One exalted or revered as supremely good or powerful. Um, I disagree with that slightly. Um, A deity can be... There's no connotation here. The good, bad, in between, neutral, whatever. i I wouldn't add any of that in. I would, I would simply go, it's one that is exalted or revered as powerful because that's really the truest definition of a deity is something that's more powerful than us that could have possibly created us. And that could include aliens. Who knows? Um, So from deities, we get that that is divine and divine is a word that is, it's multifaceted because divine is both an adjective, a noun, a verb. It's, it's all of these things. So it, it has different meanings. And again, I'm, I'm taking all this from Merriam Webster's dictionary. So in, in the adjective world, it, it's the word is used in, in religion. It's, you know, being a deity is to be divine. Um, as a noun, same thing, you know, to be divine. And then, but as a verb, things can be, you know, actively being divine or divining to divine, have divined. Um, and this is the discovery by intuition or insight. And I found this very interesting when I looked at that as a verb, the act of divining or to divine is to discover by intuition or insight. We think that gives us a really good whole, you know, boundary list to work within when we talk about creation. So let's, go back to the beginning here and we'll, we'll, we'll move forward. So merriam Webster's dictionary, second definition of creation, the act of making, inventing or producing. Okay. Well, when we ask the questions, what made the universe, what made the world, what made us, those types of things. We get that. We get those who created, you know, so we get those who went about the act of making, inventing, or producing in the spiritual world, well, that we call deities, right? And deities to, to us are divine. But the act of divining, the verb, we define as to discover by intuition or insight. So I think that gives us the holistic, WH, holistic viewpoint. There is a possibility that something, whatever you want to call it, by definition, we call it a deity, created something from chaos because chaos was the, it's the primordial pool of everything. It's the, the infinite possibility. It's all the building blocks that could have possibly been, will be, or, or, you know, may come into existence. And from that primordial pool, chaos gets organized into the beginning stages of what's known as creation. It's, it's taking a couple things and putting them together and saying, aha, this is this. So creation by definition is definition. And our interaction with it, in my personal opinion, by looking at some of these, you know, definitions, is this is the discovery by intuition or insight. So the word, the world of spirituality, if you will, the, the world of that other health body is the extra senses. It's the extraordinary intuition. Insight, gut feeling. These are the tools I think we can look at when we look at how do we interact with spirituality. One of the common things people learn in metaphysics when they study the act of divining or to have divinity or divination, divination being the seeking of through intuition or insight answers to questions or future outlooks or those types of things. You know, in some cases, you might have. Those who use tarot decks, you might have those who use uh, radiostetia, which is a uh, pendulum. Uh, and there's there's two different forms of that. There's the mental radiostetia and there's um, scientific radiostetia. Look into the works of Dr. Abraham Kareem uh, with biogeometry if you want a better understanding of that. Highly recommend his book, um, Back to uh, the Future for Mankind. Wonderful book, wonderful look at the whole system. Uh, Biogeometry in general is a very interesting take on all of it. But this idea that we ourselves can be divine, we can divine something, goes with my idea of how we are the the deity of our human forms. We are the deity of that. We are constantly creating new and amazing things we're telling this system to do that. We have full control over the microcosm of the human system, all the organisms that go along, all the cells, all of these things that are trying to just live out their lives because they truly are just trying to live. That's what they're doing. Cells just want to live. They want to do just, You know, RNA, DNA programming. It tells them just do this, do that, move this here. And then you have all the gut bacteria in the biome and all the all the bacteria on your skin that's there constantly keeping us clean. Um, all of these uniform systems working together like a kind of like a big coral reef. Well, actually a small coral reef as a human system that is divine. That's divinity. So we have all these tools that we might use to also do that. And in learning those things, there's often common times referred to insight and intuition. Well, one of the physical manifestations of that. Now, this is going back to Shen Qi and Jing. Remember, we're going to go back to that list. Is a lot of people getting started will get goosebumps, or you know, get the your erector pili muscles, is what they're known as, um, which are your hair follicle muscles. They get all bumpy. That's why they call it goosebumps because it looks like a goose's skin. Uh, there's a specific name for it and I never remember, for, uh, remember it. I really should look it up. It's, it's an interesting name for that interaction. But it's your erector pili muscles. You know, they, they flex, essentially. <laughs> They're tiny little muscles. And they flex, and you get that goosebump sensation, that, that chill across. Or some people get that. They get the chill up the back of the neck. This is often referred to as a physical representation of an intuitive action. So you are... In essence, listening to the universe. Some people might put it that way. So you see how these interactions can maybe start to occur. And I think if we looked farther into them and actually gave them real chance, gave them real opportunity to be studied, to be looked at, to be understood, we'd get somewhere. We would get a list of vocabulary we could put together. We could get a list of, you know, representations that would allow us to take skeptics and give them information to work with when talking to people who might consider themselves in the woo-woo world, in the out-there world, in the, in the other. And and to give credence to a tarot reader or a mystic or a, a shaman or just these people who had just have this general intuitive sense. I consider myself a general intuitive in some ways. The manifestation of it, though, I think is different for everyone. And ultimately, I, I really have this comedic understanding of what superpowers are. Superpowers, in my personal opinion, again, this is more of a comedic sense, are the things that you do that you have no idea you do better than everyone else. Those are your superpowers. And they're not shooting laser beams out of your eyes or flying or these types of things. They're the things in your, maybe in your friends group or in your community that you just somehow are the best at but really have no idea that you're the best at it. Cause maybe you don't practice it that often. Something like maybe you're the one who makes the best lasagna or, and you don't even have to try it. Just every time you make lasagna, it's just a great lasagna. You never, you never fuck it up. It's just great. It's just, or you make the best drinks, like just, and it's just intuitive. You just intuitively go about it. There's no thought process to it. You're just great. So yes, superpowers can be learned skills. You can learn to be intuitive as something by practicing and practicing. We call it the 10,000 hour rule in some cases. Or you might hear, uh, to in martial arts, you might hear the statements: "Don't fear the person who throws a thousand punches. Fear the person who's thrown one punch a thousand times, because they will be intuitive with it." So yes, intuition can be a learned skill. You can practice it. And repetition is the mother of all skill, as I said before. Failure is its father. You must fail to learn. So there is this idea, though, that, yeah, maybe there are these possibilities of superpowers. Maybe you don't even know which ones you are. Maybe you're just intuitively doing it so you never pay attention to it. But somehow you have that intuition to do it best. And in a world where everything in social media makes you look like the worst... I think it's an interesting representation to take some time, not representation, an interesting um, exercise to take some time and look at what are you intuitively doing that you're often asked to do and you do it the best, but you don't notice it. And I think you might find you have maybe more superpowers than you think. So going a little further with this and this idea of intuition or insight, I think it's best to get into creation, right? Creation from a spiritual aspect and what that entails. Well, oftentimes we entail it with being a deity, and you know, in religion, there's uh, the Latin saying "creatio ex nihilo" or, or "nihil," and that's the concept of that matter was created by a deity. That that this world was created by a deity, you were created by a deity, or the deity may have created the building blocks for you, those types of things. That's all good and fine because it's a very simplistic, in my book, explanation. To just be able to say, hey, this God created us, or this God created everything. I don't think there's anything wrong with that statement. I think it's a little unhashed out. It's It's not... It's not exactly the best Retroduction, we haven't really narrowed down The possibilities. It's very Possible that there could be multiple Gods. The argument Of gods in general, of my god's Better than your god, or my religion's better than your Religion, is a statement Of belief structures. It's Not a statement of representation of truth And that's where I believe Organized religion goes off The fucking rails And we've seen this Throughout history A lot of wars are fought due to belief structures. A lot of representation of government politics, of ruling class, of these things are all predicated on these ideas of beliefs, what someone believes in. And the answer is you're never going to believe what the person next to you believes. And that goes all the way back to my entire talks, all of my talks, the first 31 episodes, even I'll include last episode too, but all of the episodes of this podcast so far, when I talked about self-awareness and mental health and I talked about how depression is the way in which we see the world and you can't understand someone else's depression. You can't, it's impossible. It is so uniquely who they are, you can't understand it. You can try, that's, there's, no, there's no problem with trying, I'm going to get to that in a second, but you can't understand it. So what makes us think we could possibly agree on how the world was created? Be it scientific or theosof- theos- theosophy, r- religious or not, or scientific, whatever, you know, whatever theory, theorem, philosophy, theosophy, science, psychology? I don't care what, what way you want to go about understanding it. What you're see, that's right there. Like there's just all these options, infinite amount of possibilities here. What makes us think that we could all agree on it? So why do we have a problem with not being able to agree on it? That's the realm of fear. To be honest, it's it's a it's a not fitting in thing. What does the child always want to do? The child wants to fit in, wants to be paid, wants someone to pay attention to them, right? It wants to not be the outcast. Eventually, as you grow up, some of us learn to want to be the outcast, really. So, in that sense, we kind of become our own creators of our own understanding, but we were to begin with. So that's my biggest problem with organized religion, is that it somehow, in some way, always states that they're right. That they all, they're the ones that have the right answer. They have the right understanding. And that's not true. It's, not, it's actually not even possible for that to be true. Because if your deity is the only deity, and they created everything, then they also created the understandings of everyone else's deities that they believe in so you can't even claim that their deities don't exist because technically you're claiming your deity created their deity and that starts a whole argument which you probably shouldn't get into but saying their deity doesn't exist is not it's a non plausible answer you can't possibly say that if your deity created everything if you only have one god and this is an argument about paganism you know or polytheism versus singular theism, solo theism. It's an argument of why humans, and remember, I'm now stating why questions, because why questions are the realm of spirituality in my book. It's best not to ask why questions when we're talking about the mind and the body. It's, in my personal opinion now, it's okay to say why questions when we're talking, you have to ask why questions in spirituality because it is subjective. And why is the realm of subjectivity? So why, why, oh, why, oh, why do humans feel it necessary to divine or to define God or gods or deity or other or spirituality? Because we want answers, right? What if the answers, there's no answer? It's a possibility. It's an absolute possibility. Or that we don't have the right answer. It's an uncomfortable thing to have that thought. So we avoid it. And thus we create human divinity. We create human deities. Because that's what we follow in the religious context of today's society. You are worshiping... If you, and I don't mean this to aggress against people. I just want people to think about this, really. If you believe in the Christian God, if you believe in the Islamic God, if you believe in the Judaic God, if you believe in the North Pantheon, if you believe in the Greek gods, if you believe in the Roman gods, if you believe in the Japanese um, Shinto Buddhism gods of things, all they have the gods of everything, if you believe in the, even just the spiritual representations of the the minor gods in um, Hinduism or the the major pantheon in Hinduism, again, Hinduism, not a religion. It's the way of the Hindu people, but they use a lot of Buddhist gods, but, or the Taoist gods, maybe you believe in the Taoist immortals, which are technically gods. Um, Or if you live in China and you believe in the Jade empire and how the Jade empire answers to the God of, um, uh, I'm going to get that one wrong. So I just won't state it, but, Jade Empire and the Golden God? No. Whatever. Anyway. The this idea comes from human understanding. So by definition it is false and fallible. You are worshiping a deity of human understanding. That's that's the perspective you're coming from. But we don't we don't wanna we don't wanna think about it that way. We don't want to think that our interpretation of text from interpretation of text from interpretation of text from people who may not have written this in the connotation of providing a true and honest telling, we have no way of validating that. We don't want to believe that that is possibly false because by interpreting it through the human mind, it has now become human. And by definition, humans are fallible, and God is not. All religious texts say that. But the deity is the deity, is the powerful, divine figure. So your mental capabilities to understand that, by definition, are fallible. Because, yes, in some cases they say, oh, you're made in God's image, or you're made in the deity's image. But those deities have power over their subjects of... Humans, and we're fallible creatures. We fuck up all the time. We're like decidedly made to do that. So that understanding may not be right. And it's not that you shouldn't use those understandings. It's that, in my personal opinion, I really probably should just stop saying that, but in my personal understanding maybe, I found a great deal of interest in canonical writing, specifically things known as parables. And, or, and um, in the Buddhist texts are known as the Vedas, which are stories that make us think about some very specific ideas. One of those is morals and ethics. and this gets into intuition, it almost supersedes reason and logic that there are these grand forces, the primordial forces, right? I talked about one already. We talked about chaos. Now I'm talking about creation because creation comes after chaos. There must be chaos. There must be this infinite possibility. Creation takes infinite possibility and makes things out of it. So when creation makes something out of it, we get a set of structures, we get a set of measurements, really. To take infinite possibility and make something of it, you must mold it. You must give it definition. You must give it structure. By doing so, you create almost boundaries, but not boundaries in the way we think of them, More so boundaries in the idea of measurement possibility. So if you wanted to create, now picture there's infinite possibility, right? Nothing exists yet. There's infinite possibility. If you wanted to create life, you need to define the boundaries, therefore, of life. And if you wanted to create human life, Well, actually, let's make it a little bit simpler. If you wanted to make plant life, you have to create the the boundary structures of what defines plant life. But not from the perspective of the humans in which we're trying to understand it, because we are constantly learning new things about it. You create easy universal laws. And keep in mind, I understand that I'm giving this representation having just said that the human mind in its understanding of all this is fallible, but I have to use the human mind because it's how we translate between spiritual and physical. So this is just a thought experiment essentially that, okay, I want to create plant life and there's, there's infinite possibility, but I want to create this thing as what we humans know as plant life. I should say it that way. Well, I got to make some, I got to make some structural laws. One, it must have, the unending will to grow. Because without, I mean, what's, what's the point of a plant that doesn't want to grow? It's just going to, it's, so it has to have that. It has to have the, the want and the will to grow. Okay, cool. Why? Well, all right, well if, if it has to have the want and the will to grow, how does it grow? All right, well, I need to define that. So I need to create a reason for it to grow, to propagate. Perfect. Okay, it wants to propagate. It wants to make more of itself. Awesome. Make a structure where I don't have to keep creating these things. They'll create themselves for me. Perfect. Awesome. So there needs to be a seed structure and there needs to be, okay, these things known as seeds. That's how things are going to propagate. Awesome. It It needs a method for it to... Find new places to do that. Oh, it needs new places to do that. So I need to create, oh, I need I need nutrients for it. All right. Uh, well, I need to make this thing the sun. I got to make this thing the dirt, earth, um, oh, water. We're going to need that. There's got to be this thing that it uses. It, it's super complicated, right? Just to create plants, you have to create all of these other things from infinite possibilities. And each one of those things has to have boundaries and structures to make it what it is but also have the possibility to continue to be that. So creation must use chaos, constantly, ineffably, always. It takes from chaos, it takes from chaos, and it creates and creates and creates. And creation can only do creation. It's what it does. So our definition of deities, in fact, comes down to They are creators, maybe. But in order to be a deity, they can't just be a creator. Because then they wouldn't be all powerful. So a deity is a a being of sorts that is able to use chaos, the infinite amount of possibility, to create boundary and structure that makes up creation. Deities will come again, back again, when I talk about other parts of this process, specifically order and destruction. But coming back to something I said earlier, if you look at the triality, specifically when we look at Qigong, we have Shen, Qi, and Jing. The spiritual, Shen, spirit, is expressed through qi and qi is expressed through jing. In that order, working down to the physical, well, how do we send it back up the other way? How does jing express itself as qi and how does qi express itself as shen, as spirit? Well, that's effort. That is gong fu, that is kung fu, if you will. Gong fu is your way, fu is a way or practice. Gong is your, it's your, it's your, your Gong Fu, is to study one's own self, and to practice of one, one's own self, the, your Gong Fu. Kung Fu, is the organized, structural version, remember that has boundaries and structure, the creation of, physical action of that, the Jing, the learning of the jings, explosive force, and listening force, listening energy, Jing. So Jing is then the expression of Qi. We can can use Jing to understand Qi. So to work down the list, Shen is the expression of Qi. So spiritual, the expression of the spiritual world, of the the spiritual ideas, the expression of that, or effort of that, is Qi. It's mind. It's, It's mind over matter. It's mentality. It's understanding. It's definition. So spirit creates right spiritual or spirit or other or ether creates the mind mental chi defines jing the expression of chi is is action it's movement it's effort so if we go back up the other way if if going down is expression or effort what's going back up Right, as above, so below. What's the microcosm-macrocosm here? Well, Jing is the understanding of Qi because it is his expression. Qi is the understanding of Shen. We use these things that go back up the way and, and to understand. In the human system, it may not be this way for other systems. I don't know. I'm not. Something else I'm me. It's my gong Fu. So we have reason and logic, right? Those are one of the ways in which we go about understanding these things. The problem though, is that disconnect between Qi and Shen. And remember, I'm just using common terms that I've found in reference specifically from Qigong practice. You can insert whatever you want as far as if you want to say heaven, human man, if you want to say physical form, mental form, spiritual form. Whatever your personal understanding of this is, go right ahead and add those in. This is part of the problem of talking about these things is we don't have uniform words and some words bring on connotations for other people that just don't work. So that's why I say take the connotation out of it. So please feel free to add in. When I say Shen, you can say God, you can say spirit, you can say Gaia, Mother Earth, you can, you know, whatever you want to put in there. Chi, same thing as mind, mental. And jing is is physical and the expression of qi. So going back up, we have to have understanding. Well, that's how humans work, because of the senses. Our senses are what allow us to understand the interactions of jing, of physical effort, physical action, physical this, physical that. We're pretty good at that. We can see things, we can smell things, we can taste things, we can touch things. We're pretty good with that stuff. Our senses are what allow us to intake information to the vagus nervous system. The vagus nervous system can send that to the cerebral cortex, and the cerebral cortex can do all sorts of stuff with it in the left and right hemisphere. And, you know, all sorts of crazy awesome stuff happens in our nervous system. And one of those things is reason and logic. And that's how we often try to understand things. In that interaction, in the interaction between the physical to the mental. Okay, that's cool. But Phil, we're talking about creation here. Yes, we are talking about creation here. So what does the representation of creation using chaos to create structure help us understand? Importance. It helps us understand the importance of method. Because that's how you work back up the, the ladder. It's the method and understanding the method will allow you to understand the next rung to the next rung. It'll help you climb upwards. So the method for Qi Gong practice is to practice physical Gong. Some practice Kung Fu, others practice Tai Chi, Karate, all sorts of these different physical practices. Lead to the understanding of the mind from the physical to the mental. And that's the method. Your method might be you go to work and you do X, or you meditate, or you meditation gets into both realms. But that physical understanding through the senses gives us the pieces we need to then understand the next part. So we go Jing to Chi, or we go physical to mental, or we go body to mind. Well, how do we go from mind to spirit? How do we go from mind to other? How do we go from mind to ether, from mind to deities, from mind to... How do we do that? Method. What's the method? Methods given to us in the idea of creation, taking the infinite possibility and putting structure and a little bit of understanding to create something. We haven't ordered things yet. Remember, there's there's a whole process here. It goes creation, goes chaos, creation, order, destruction. We're not ordering things quite yet. We're giving it the structure and the boundaries to allow it to be ordered correctly. So we need to give structure and and a little, bit of, a little bit of boundary in order to take mind to spirit, to ether, to other. And this is known as method. You use method to do that. And this is where working in systems is super important because if you're all over the place, it's never going to work. If you're trying to practice qi, Qigong, learning it in the effect of the chakra system, doesn't work that way. If you want to do chakra meditation, do chakra meditation. If you want to do Qigong, do Qigong. If you want to do Reiki, do Reiki. And maybe that system doesn't work for you, so maybe you should try a different system. I talked about this back in episode 12, the systems episode. But the idea of divinity and, and divination to be a diviner is the world of intuition or insight. So what's the method of the mind understanding the spirit? It's all of those things we never pay attention to: intuition, insight. all of the things that the crazy woo-woo people out there, you know, the way we label them, taught themselves to pay attention to, the getting of the goosebumps, the shiver up the down, the back of the spine. Our bodies, in fact, are pre-wired to do this for us. They're pre-wired to survive. Oddly enough, one of the biggest leaps in my understanding for continuing to live instead of killing myself, my road to suicide I've talked about before, I learned at the very beginning of my martial arts practice. In fact, it was the defining nature of changing from a martial artist to a martialist. Was that this human system I'm in control of as its deity Wants to live. It's the action. It's the expression of its chi of its of its shen. Is it? It wants to live. The cells want to live. The bacteria want to live. My beard wants to live because it continues to grow. And growing is the action of living. It's the expression of the chi into the jing world of living. When your hair grows, when your nails grow, when your skin grows that's the expression of the chi of living of the understanding of shen because shen is the expression chi is the expression of shen so if we work up the ladder the method here is that these things want to live living takes effort that's method And in fact, our bodies are wired to do that. When you learn about the vagus nervous system, you learn about the nervous system that is constantly in interaction with the world around you you have no control over. And it's telling your body how to continue living. How to continue expressing your chi, expressing your shen through your chi, through your jing. Expressing the other to the mind, but that's that's where the differentiation might happen. That's where things can get fouled up, and that's why the first set of the episodes of this podcast were all about mental health and self awareness. Because until you can control or, or interact with or understand that the mind is the definition point between the two, it is the it's the it's what's telling Shen to it's what's telling other spiritual deity whatever what's going on with you in your physical form and your mind, and it's also what all of that stuff is telling your body the problem is we don't often pay attention to what a lot of the spiritual world calls downloads or the occult might call um, expression of of spirits or what a medium might be, you know, providing someone with, you know, that download. We don't often look at the, the flow down. We're often trying to send stuff up. I believe this to be one of the biggest things religion did to us. I don't fault anyone for the act of prayer. I do not in any way. I actually quite respect people who believe in prayer as much as some people do. It's a powerful meditation because that's what prayer is. It's a meditation. And remember meditation is awareness of breath and stop. But, you can have meditations of and awareness is attention to intention. Go listen to the sequitur episode number 31. Um, or to be honest, actually the episode before that intention episode 30 to get into everything I talked about there where awareness is attention to intention. And when applied to a meditation, it becomes a meditation of something prayer is a meditation of the conversation from the physical to the other, to the spiritual. So everyone who practices prayer is going one direction. The problem is the direction coming down. They don't listen. They just talk all the time. And I'm not saying that's wrong. Go pray. I'm totally fine with that. Just don't believe in organized religions. Believe in what you want to believe in. Don't let anyone tell you what you should believe in or how you should believe it. Or even why you should believe it. Because remember, why is the question of spirits, of spiritual? It's the, it's the down. And that's what creation gives us. The understanding of creation gives us that framework. That's really how I should say it. The framework of how things, the boundaries it needs to sit in, the ways and methods. Because it's all method and, and, and those things. And yes, we have morals and logic. And ethics. And reasoning these give us what's known as importance to make it important. And that's what that structure is. That framework is creation gives us the framework on how we can, we can bring things down from the spiritual, how we can get as above. So below as we can get the above to below it happens through the mind. We just don't listen very often. So we have to learn how to listen. Part of that is intuition or insight. Cause again, your body is pre charged for this. That is the understanding of the bioelectric field. That is the understanding of the vagus nervous system. That is the understanding of the uh, lizard brain, the part of you that just wants to live and the, the fight or flight uh, sim responses, the parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system. All of this has to do with listening. but We can't. It's really tough to in today's society, because no one's ever taught us how, nor have we really ever explored how, because when people do, we just call them a quack or a weirdo. And if we would listen more, we would understand that they've really come up with some great methods. Qigong is a great method. Qigong allows you to listen to the bioelectric field. And in fact, in Chinese traditional medicine, there are Qigong healers or Qigong practitioners. There are groups of people every morning in China. And around the world, actually, in fact, that practice Qigong together to balance out their bioelectric fields. And there has been measurement structures put together about how the bioelectric field and how it can get on balance creates a, a a place where disease can grow, that we can bring ourselves out of homeostasis due to that. Your bioelectric field gets depleted by a great number of things. One of those is electromagnetic radiation or EMI, EMI or EMR. Electro smog, if you will, 5G, 4G. And I'm not saying these things are trying to kill you. What they're doing is they're interrupting the signals that you could be listening to. Water divining was one of the greatest things ever. Water divining allowed humans to settle in places that they could grow, that they could make civilization. Because without water, we would die. And there were these individuals known as the water diviners who would get a forked stick or two copper rods and they would divine underground water locations. They're highly accurate. You can go water divining today. It still works. It's a really fun practice actually to like get either two copper, the two copper rods I feel are easier for most people to pick up comparatively to just getting a, a forked stick. But this has to do with resonance and it has to do with the electromagnetic spectrum and how, we have ionizing radiation, which is the dangerous types of radiation, like you know, nuclear waste and um, those types of things. And then we have the non-ionizing radiations, like microwaves and radio signals and you know those types of things. They all have resonance because wave functions and waveforms have resonance. Why am I getting deeper into that idea? Think of that like the structure the the the, inf- the the framework if you will so when i talk about the deepest form of what would be considered god in the scientific in the scientific methodology of it or the scientific understanding of it is the carrier wave of all forms of waves of all forms of function listening to that is intuition. Those people who out there who are just intuitive that just have insights into things, they're listening to the carrier wave that we would consider the ultimate carrier wave, the carrier wave of all signals, the resonant frequency of everything that carries any wave. That's spirit. That's other. That's God. That's, divine by nature because it's the framework that everything works inside of. That's what creation really is, is the beginning of it's the framework. So if we have chaos, we have the infinite possibility creation is the, the providing of framework to work inside of, of understanding really. And through that aspect, Let's, let's go back again to the beginning when we talk about definitions here. Creation is the act of making, inventing, or producing. In the spiritual side of things, we often refer to this as a deity or a god, those that created. And the act of divining, the verb, the action of divining, to be divined, to divine, is to discover by intuition or insight. That means in the primordial powers, chaos, creation, order, and destruction. Creation is the act of listening. It is the act of understanding the frameworks of how things work, the boundaries, the structure, the possibility in the method. Chaos is the is, is the everything. It's the primordial soup. There's all sorts of stuff going on. Creation gives us definition. It gives us insight. Gives us intuition. We have to learn to listen. We don't listen to each other. So how are we going to listen to a background idea of the universe telling us to do things? It's because we don't listen to ourselves. We're in fact actually listening all the time. Your vagus nervous system's doing it. Your central nervous system's picking up on these things all the time. Your consciousness is quite aware all the time. It's our actions that are often coerced or corrupted. And in fact, don't go along with the framework. And this might get into the argument of good and evil and those types of things, but I'd like to come to things from a neutrality aspect. And neutrality tells us there are these things known as morals and ethics. We intrinsically and inherently know what's right and wrong. We don't always act upon it though. It's when we forcibly act against what we think is the right thing to do that we're oftentimes not listening to creation. We're working outside of the framework. And we know we are. So we're, what does that mean about us at that point? Are we a corrosive force at that point? Are we a, we're not a chaotic force. That's, we, we gotta stop calling ourselves that. In fact, I think we're products of chaos. We are children of chaos in my own personal opinion. And thus, if we are children of chaos, we are, in fact, ourselves creators. Because we get to give creation to chaos. We get to give it framework. get to give it understanding and, and definition. And in that aspect, we have done that to the idea of creators. But we don't listen to them. People are praying constantly in whatever faith or belief structure they have. But are they listening to what's coming back? It's a big question. And I think once we get a grasp on that understanding, we can better look into the next two topics. We can better look into order and destruction Because sometimes it's the things that we struggle the most with. Yeah. Understanding creation is, it's a hard thing to do, but I hope I've given some sort of different outlook on what it actually is. Deities are creators, but they're not creation. They created, but we can too. And we do so constantly to create something or to, to bring about creation is to give framework to chaos. And from that perspective, we must understand that our definitions, our frameworks of deities, of greater powers, are self-inflicted. And thus, there's no way we could possibly ever think someone else must believe what I believe. Because we've self-inflicted the wound, we've self-inflicted the framework, And to fight a war over it of a misunderstanding of what someone else might believe as far as how we were created is preposterous. So we have to then understand that the reason we can't agree upon creation is out of fear. And beyond that, it's out of Not listening. It's a lack of listening. And to take it one step further, which I'll probably get into maybe a little bit more in the order and destruction episodes, is we, as a society, culturally, don't disagree on creation. We struggle to define it for ourselves, but we don't disagree on it. Even if you don't believe in gods, even if you don't believe in evolution, even if you don't believe in anything, you believe in the functional action of the expression of other, of spirit. And that's called living. It's the act of. That there is this framework of creation, and that framework includes the idea that to either replicate or to grow. That's living. Where we differ truly is in how we go about deciphering the reason for that. This is why spiritual nature is the realm of why questions, is the realm of subjectivity. So we differ for the reasons in which we exist. Existence. Ooh, ooh, a dangerous word. Very dangerous word. What is existence? Why do we exist? What gives us the right to exist? What makes us exist? Why do we exist? Who do we exist for? To bring about the salvation of, or to bring about the realization of, or to this, that, or the other, which are all... human understandings. If someone says, my God made me, their God didn't make them because they're not listening. Unless they can show an intuitive insight. And they'll be able to. That's true. If the universe truly told them to do something that way, they'll be able to give you a full recollection of what happened. And it'll be some fantastical story that you'll almost want to believe no matter what because it'll be so fantastical in its way it makes you feel. You'll have an intuitive reaction to that, that gut feeling. But our reasons for living are what we fight over constantly. And if we apply that method of understanding, we're left with how dangerous dogma can be, how dangerous religions can be, Not that the understanding of creation is wrong. Your faith and your beliefs are yours. You get to have them. You should have them probably. There gives us an understanding of why the fuck we're here. What the fuck we're doing. But we need to come to the conclusion that has nothing to do with deities and creation. Creation is the framework. We're fighting wars over reasons of understanding what reason do you have to exist? If your reason for existence is to fuck everybody's day up, well, you're going to be in combative nature against everyone. You're instantly at war with everyone, but that's human. That's personal. Has nothing to do with gods or beliefs or any of that other nonsense. I don't mean it to be complete nonsense, but we got to, we got to start to understand these, these primordial nature pieces. And that's why I'm doing this. And a lot of this, yes, I'm doing it selfishly to better understand what spirituality is and what spirit is And I don't think everyone's going to agree on it. I don't necessarily think everyone should agree on it. Probably not. The balance to that structure is that no, no one agrees on anything. But we also get to say, I don't know. But to understand the primordial pieces, I think, better understands or gives us a better understanding of people from different cultures, people from different backgrounds. And it, it allows the framework to be more flexible. Because a rigid framework will always break. Go look at Buckminster Fuller's research. Very interesting individual. Love to create his own words for stuff. But this idea of tensegrity, which we use in the fascial system, which I use constantly in massage therapy. And in fact, the fascial system is what allows you to walk upright and stand and move. (laughs) It allows flexibility to the musculoskeletal structure. That idea of a rigid frame never works, it always breaks. So there must be flexibility in, in, the, in the framework. So there also then must be flexibility in our, our understanding of things, in our understanding of each other, and our understanding of spirit or spiritual nature or the shen or the other health body, that third piece. To understand that, we must start to listen. And it's not easy. We live in a world where just trying to take five minutes for yourself can be tough. So this loops us back to the world of mental health and the different understandings and the different things we can learn about to give us a better control structure, a better framework, a better flexible framework to work inside of. We can create those things. We are in our own selves creators. So creation, the act of making, inventing, or producing is the development of frameworks. And thus we can create a spiritual understanding of ourselves by working back up the ladder. We know how to come down. I'm sorry, working down the ladder. We know how to go up. (laughs) We definitely know how to ask the universe for things, to pray for things, to, you know, use the method of attraction to, to do all of these other things by sending the physical through the mental to the other. We don't often know how to come down. That's what I struggle with the most. I don't know how to, you know, I've met so many people in my life, an amazing, extraordinary number of people, really. If you think about it, that hear something else that are able to commune with the universe in some way or another, be it through tarot cards or through spiritual downloads, you know, talking to their higher self, if you will, these types of things. A growing number of people, really, and that's part of this whole idea of, you know, great awakening or awakening states. You know, people who can, you know, do astral projection, people who can do um, remote viewing, people who can do all of these different ext- extraordinary or have all these extraordinary abilities, and can prove them, can can actually do them. I'm not one of them, but I do have general intuitive sense, so my method must be broken. But also my effort is broken too. There's a there's a block between my mental and my spiritual. There's. I don't know how to translate the things in which my senses intake and I, and I interact with on a daily basis, how to make that a spiritual process and vice versa. I don't know how to make a spiritual process a physical manifestation, but I do generally get intuition. I get, you know, that, that gut feeling or, when I practice massage therapy, I can just touch a person and know, Oh, it's this, this, and this, oh, and yeah, this isn't, this isn't quite right. And in some cases, but I have to rationale the idea. Is that because of all my practice and experience? Maybe. Is it just because I have some intuitive sense? Maybe. I don't know. And that is just a small story to bring you to, where I think the first answer needs to be in in the idea of spiritual practice and the idea of spiritual understanding, coming from chaos to creation, one of the best answers I think anyone can give themselves or someone else for that matter is simply, I don't know. Because I don't know is the chaos that allows for Creation of that framework. I don't know. So what framework can I create to allow me to better understand these things? Sometimes we just need to try a bunch of different methods, right? We just need to try Reiki. We need to try Qigong. We need to try transcendental meditation. We need to try mindfulness meditation. We need to try reading the the Buddhist um, scriptures or, or uh, canonical records. We need to try reading the, the Vedas. We need to try reading the canonical records of a specific religion. We need to maybe try Christianity, try Judaism, try Islam, um, Islamic, um, there's Islamic meditations. And I can't remember what they're called. I apologize, but we need to try these things or at least learn about them. To see if we you know there's a lot of people out there who ch- hate chocolate ice cream because they only eat vanilla and never tried chocolate ice cream is, is someone once uh, put it that way to me. So there's a bunch of fucking people who hate chocolate ice cream but never tried chocolate ice cream and only ate the vanilla ice cream. But they know they like the vanilla ice cream so they never wanted to try something else. And oftentimes it's a really good idea to try something and learn that you fucking hate it and you don't like it. It doesn't resonate with you. We got to try it to, to know that you can't just, yes, there's intuition and insight. But blind intuition is like blind faith. It's not, it's not the right answer. Sometimes blind action due to intuition is a, is a different subject. I, I might get into that a little bit. Also in the, uh, the order of, episode, next episode. But for now I'm left with, okay, what are the primordials? The primordials are in my adventure of understanding spirituality. And we're working on this. This is just, you know, I'm trying to create the framework. Now we know chaos is the primordial soup. It's the, it's the infinite possibility. Creation is the, the beginnings of structure. It's providing framework. Well, there's more pieces yet to these primordial ideas. One of those is order, which we'll talk about next episode, and then also destruction. And these are the framework, if you will, of spirituality. And there is an infinite possibility. And our framework must be flexible. There must be tensegrity in order for us to grow into our spiritual health. But it's required. I can say that. I I do now wholeheartedly understand that it's required because it gives answer to the why questions. It allows for subjectivity. I mentioned in this episode about um, Back to the Future for Mankind, written by Dr. Abraham Kareem, who's the inventor uh, of biogeometry. In that book, but also in biogeometry, Dr. Kareem gives us qualities of energy an understanding of that that the things that we generally don't touch or feel or see altogether the things that might be out of one spectrum of our our senses but still are there because they're measurable have quality it's adding the subjectivity to the objectivity And that's Shen, that's spirit by nature. So, we need a framework, though, to understand it. And that's what creation is. Creation is the frameworks. And that's that's the first two primordials. We have chaos and creation, and we're going to discuss order and destruction next. And I think when I get to destruction... I'll be able to better understand because I kind of figure this stuff out as I go sometimes what the spiritual body really is, what it's doing and how we can use it. Cause that's what a lot of people who are spiritual people have figured out. It gives importance. It gives credence. It gives understanding to the mind and the body. If uh, this goes back to Bunkminster Fuller's work, tensegrity, I'll use the human system, the human physical system, as a representation. We have the muscular skeletal system. And if you've ever taken anatomy and physiology, and I think I've given this analogy before, um, there's oftentimes the the skeleton on the wire rack, that's a pretty common thing to find in anatomy and physiology class. If you drop the skeleton, just the bones, if you just connect all the bones, you drop them, it's just a pile of bones on the ground. The pile of bones is our physical forms. We're just, we're just matter. We're just physical matter. Just electricity. Essentially, we live in an electrical universe. You're just, you're just a pile of bones. There's no structure to you. There's no action to you. You're just that. When you add muscles now the pile of bones all curl up in because all muscles pull, no muscles push. There's no such thing as a push. We just it's a it's a descriptive action. It's not an actual action. Anytime a push occurs is because something pulling something. Your muscles pull across joints to create a push. So, we have well, we have a pile of muscles and bones. That's what the mind does. The mind is always pulling. It's always pulling things in, trying to figure stuff out. It's always intaking information. Mind, the mind rarely gives information out. It's always taking information in. So that's what happens with the, the pile of bones when you add muscles. It just creates a muscle bone ball. Just It all curls up into a ball. When you add the fascial system, you give it the framework. But also you give it the tensegrity. To create a body that stands upright and can move and have action and, and function, you give it reason. So we often are looking for the reason for creation and we're fighting wars over it and we're having debates over it and we get into arguments about it over dinner. The reason for creation is not the definition of spirituality in any way, shape, or form. Spirituality must cover all four primordials, chaos, creation, order, and destruction. So my understanding of creation that I've built that I'm I'm still kind of working on has left me with that specific understanding though. this whole episode about creation really is the call. It comes to the culmination that we get caught up in talking about creation. Like it's the be end, end all of all things. It's not, it's the beginning. It's the framework has nothing to do with life. It just gives us the framework for it. It gives us the ability. Therefore it gives us some sort of idea of how it can occur. Not why. It's not a why. There's no reason here. Creation isn't reason. It provides a reason in some ways to make things appropriate, but it also applies a bunch of other things too. So that our reason for being is much broader. But we, often, we often just focus on the creation side of things. Why was I created? What am I here for? Well, that's a, that's a broader thing. It's not, we can't just focus simply on creation and we often do. That's what I'm left for. When I've looked at creation, you know, you look at deities. That's why I say deities aren't just creators. They're not just one. That's not just one thing. A God is not just a creator. They're a destroyer. They're a orderer. They're a, a you know, a user of chaos. They're multifaceted in those natures. They're all powerful in some cases. So, when we talk about creation, we have to understand that it's just one piece of the cycle, that these things are cyclical. And that's my understanding that I've gotten from looking at creation, chaos, infinite possibility, creation, just a little bit of framework, just a a little bit of a little bit of organization, not organization, not complete order yet. Just a little bit of framework to build inside of what you do with that. I have no idea, to be honest but it gives a separation of where we can go with spiritual nature. We now know, at least I particularly now know, there must be a a creation piece. There must be a, a, a framework to work inside of. What the framework of my spirituality is, I'm still figuring out. But I do know that there needs to be a framework. There needs to be grabbing some of that chaos and making something out of it. For what reason? I have no idea. Hopefully I'll figure that out when we talk about order or destruction. Who knows? That really gets into a psychological understanding, specifically when we look at different understandings of how things work. And I'm going to get into um, the differentiation between Chan Buddhism and Chen Buddhism and, you know, the Mahayana versus the Vishnohana. We'll get into some of the philosophical understandings of the world, some, you know, differentiations between um, Kant and Kent and, and, and some of those things. Um, uh, I'm, I'm blanking on the two names I'm really thinking of. Oh, Thomas Hobbes and Thomas um, Paine, those, those two, you know, different viewpoints, and once we get into those, I think we'll get into more of what it means to actually be human. So these frameworks exist for us to better understand ourselves, but we define them, we create them. We are the creators of our own creations. And although we may have been created by something else, we've created the understanding of it. So it is human by nature, and fighting over it is petty. And false I'm not saying we'll ever be able to eliminate warfare Because honestly Well As humans it's what we do best We can use this to understand When people are trying to Pull us in and coerce us into a war For their own personal gain And own personal reasons That we have nothing to do with And thus we can tell those people to fuck off And in fact, we might be get more truth and enlightenment. And I won't say we'll get happiness because in fact, happiness is a creation. It is a framework you must create. You must create your own framework of understanding. That is part of creation. You have infinite possibility. Creation is making a framework in th- which things must will grow and build and live inside of. And you must define your own happiness in that sense. So this is what I wanted to get to here at the end to leave you with is this understanding of chaos and creation. What do you do with those, right? All this bullshit I'm spewing and all this stuff I'm talking about, what do you do with it? You go back and you apply it to your mental health. You go back and you apply it to your self-awareness. That is the act of taking the spiritual, the other, the grander ideas, the why questions and bringing them down and applying them to ourselves. I just don't know what my spiritual thing is. Am I living for a god? Am I living for a specific cause or idea or I don't know. Cuz I don't know I don't know what it is. And I might never know. That's possible. But doing nothing with it that's not the right answer. I know that much. So I challenge you to take everything I've said And apply it to your mental health and your self-awareness and see what greater understanding you can get because that's what spirituality is. It's the answering of all the why questions. We've talked about the how, the what, you know, we've talked about the who, we've talked about the when, we've talked about all those meaty pieces of the story, how to create a real story, how, who, how, when, where, and why. Well, we've talked about all the other things, but why? Because I've said, don't ask why questions. You don't get good answers because why is subjective and oftentimes in in mental health and self-awareness, we need to be more objective. Once we have objectivity, once we have the creation of the framework, once we've created it, we can fill it with all the answers to the why questions. And thus we, we create this, this self that's more filling, more fulfilled, that's really what religion has tried to do from antiquity. That is really what spiritual practice has been since antiquity. It has been to create the framework that we can fill with the why questions so that we can be whole. We can be physical, mental, and other. We can be spiritual. So that's where I'm at right now. Um, if you feel like it, I really appreciate you, you know, continuing to come along, um, Send me your thoughts and theories and all of these things on taminghindrances.com. Check out the contact page, direct link to me. You can just send me an e- uh, a contact email through there. I they, I get all sorts of notifications when that happens. You know, it shows up in my email box. I get a, a, a message on, you know, all sorts of things that it happened. Um, check us out on uh, check me out. I should stop saying we, the royal we here. Check, it, uh, check me out on uh, at taming uh, at Hindrance Taming on Twitter. All the social media links are on the website, taminghindrances.com and uh, yes, yeah, some of your thoughts and theories and you know, I'll try to incorporate them and that might be where I'm headed next, is now that I'm getting all these building blocks together, now that I'm creating the framework, we got to fill it with the answers. we got to fill it with all the whys and there should be a fuck ton, an infinite amount of them because your depression is yours. Minds to mine. And I'll, this last piece here, I know I'm always adding in more things and rambling on. When we talk about creation, we talk about deities, we talk about love. And I've finally come to a solid answer for what unconditional love is. In my, in my personal opinion, this is my definition. I want to share it with you. I've said it sometimes before, but this is really me here at the end of the creation episode, putting it completely out there. My definition of unconditional love is the act of trying to understand another person's depression in which you know you cannot, but the act of which you will do so without reservation, continuously, for as long as you possibly can. That's unconditional love. You are trying to understand something you know you can't. You can never understand someone else's depression. Someone can't understand yours. But the act of trying, Knowing you'll ultimately never be able to accomplish it. Ultimately fail in the end. Or I guess failing is too subjective of a word. You will ultimately never be able to completely understand it. But still continuing to try. That's unconditional love. From my perspective. So I'm going to leave you there with that one. Come check us out at TamingHindresses.com like we say on the outro. Just remember to Breathe. Thanks for listening. Come check us out at Taminghindrances.com for show notes, links, resources, and more. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the show via iTunes, Stitcher, RSS, or your preferred platform. If you leave us a spiffy review, we might just mention it on the show. Now go be awesome, and just remember to breathe.